Good evening. Uh, it's Victoria Warple with Dream Dogs. And Zoe's here too. Uh, with Dream Dogs and with Hope Service Dogs. And uh, this is our weekly webinar that turns into our weekly podcast and helps share information. There we go. Getting the chime out that we're live. Uh, and Rich was just napping. I just kicked him out. It's been kind of a weird day. You know, I guess with the corona apocalypse going on, it's been weird across the board. Uh, but we are <clears throat> looking at it coming out of it, which is good. It's always good to have that happen. We have some exciting news ourselves, which involves a whole bunch of little fuzzball golden retrievers. Uh, Lucy is pregnant. She is due today is the earliest she would have had them up through, I think we had said, did I write it on here? Um, her due date. So I think Saturday. Um, so we are on Puppy Watch 2020, Lucy and Seth. Uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the puppies today, about when you start training a puppy uh, and all that. And then, of course, if you guys have any questions along the way, I'm your girl and I'm here for you. So if you do have any questions, go ahead and, and write them in the comments here and they'll pop up, hopefully. Uh, but I wanted to talk with you about puppies about what you want to look for briefly because I've discussed it before and you can search back and you can find where we discuss it. But we want to talk about puppies, why you want to go with a breeder who does health testing, temperament testing and all that. And uh, and what we're going to do for these puppies to set them up for success. So it's Papalooza here tonight or today, depending on when you're listening at, uh, at Dream Dogs. Uh, Health testing first. So golden retrievers, which is what Lucy and Seth are, uh, there's four health tests that they should have. Uh, hips, elbows, eyes, and heart. And that's from the OFA. And again, I've talked about it before. You can get on OFA and do a search up by breed and see every breed is different. Poodles are different from goldens that are different from labs that are different from Dobermans that are different from Malinois. So you just, you want to make sure that whatever breeder you're doing does the tests appropriate for that breed. Uh, Y'all know about Gypsy. Uh, Gypsy had passed her prelims. Uh, the vet told us when she was 22 months old, whenever we had her hips done, because we didn't know when she was coming into heat. And you're not supposed to do it two months before or two months after coming in or out of heat or pregnancy. Uh, but the vet had told us that she's great. Go ahead and breed her. And she came back with fair hips. So we tried. She didn't get knocked up. And... Turns out her hips weren't good. Her hips weren't even fair. And uh, they were dysplastic. So luckily the pregnancy didn't take, but we had the vet's approval for it. We had done the health testing. We had that prelim. So it's good to know what the history is on the dogs as well. Uh, there was a bunch of fairs in her background because that's common in show lines, which is hard. Uh, but, you know, it didn't work out. So yeah, sad for that, but good because it got us Lucy and Ginger. And without Gypsy not having had passed, we wouldn't have uh, Ginger and Lucy and Seth with us right now. Uh, so Lucy and Ginger and Seth have had all their health testing done, hip, elbow, eyes, and heart. I believe they've had their genetic testing done as well. I don't have their binder in front of me, so I can't look it up and see. But that's another one that's an option. It's one we highly recommend. And you can see things like if they're ichthyosis, carrier, ichthyosis carriers or just what's going on genetic-wise. Gypsy was perfect. So like I said, it made it hard because all it was was Gypsy was the hips. But it's still enough because somebody with a disability cannot have a service dog that also has a disability. And it's too much blood, sweat, and tears poured into training the dog to then have to wash them out at not even two years old or two years old or whenever. Um, because of something that shouldn't have bred in, been bred in the first place. So we have those. So that's the first thing. If you're looking for a pet, if you're looking for a service dog, guys, you need to make sure that the breeder you go with does health testing and not just, oh, my vet says that he's healthy. Oh, great. That's not it. You need more than that. Okay, so that's the first thing is health testing. Second temperament, you want dogs with good temperament. You don't want an aggressive dog, okay? Aggressive dogs are are not what you should be breeding unless you want an aggressive dog. Yeah, maybe you do. Maybe you want a guard dog for something, in which case having parents who were guard dogs and who are aggressive, you know, would probably put you uh, right in line with what you might be looking for. And notice all the mites I added in there. Uh, now, I had a 
a person who had come to me years ago for training. It was a big, powerful breed. It was a big Rottweiler. And they told me whenever they went down, I think it was Miami area to pick out the dog. It was terrible living situation. She couldn't gonna get, could not get close to the mom or the dad dog because, you know, they were so aggressive. And so of course she had to take one of these puppies. And why is the dog aggressive? People don't understand that it's not all on how you raise them. I know a lot of the rescue groups and a lot of the dog groups, not just rescue groups, are very fond of trying to pass the buck that all dogs genetically are perfect and it's just up to the human on how they raise them. And I'm going to call that as baloney bullshit. So yes, I'm back to using naughty, naughty, cuss, cuss words, but just occasionally. But it's bullshit and, and it's not fair and it's not right. That genetic programming is already in the dog, right? There's how many hundreds of years of breeding to get that. So if you have a dog who's, for example, a golden retriever, the dog should like to retrieve things, have a soft mouth, and like biddable to people. If you have a dog like a Malinois, they're going to like to bite people. If you have a dog like a pointer, they should like to point. You know, there's, there's things that are genetic. My border collies love to herd. You know, genetic components will come out. And if you have a line of nervous dogs, you're going to get nervous dogs. If you have a line of aggressive dogs, you're going to get aggressive dogs. You know, like it's in there. Um, it's, it's not how, how you raise them can turn a nice dog nasty. Of course it can. It can turn a nasty dog nice too, but that genetic component is huge and people really underestimate that. You know, there's been some studies done on it. There's been some study like the twin studies where they raise the twins differently and, and, you know, see how it is. But, you know, turning a nice dog nasty, yeah, yeah, it very well could. You know, like it's turning a nasty dog nice, less likely, but still could happen. Uh, you know, but but there's there's things that can be done just <clears throat> to, you know, help shape and mold the dog. It's not nature 100%. It's not nurture 100%, guys. It's a combination of both of them. And you need to know that. You need to know that getting into it. You need to know that whenever you're thinking of getting a dog, you need to know that it's not just because the breeder says or the vet says that a lot of that is on you, but it's not all on you. Set yourself up for success. There's a reason whenever we got the dogs that we got, we went to special people to get them is because we have a special set of requirements, okay, for having these dogs. And uh, you should too. <clears throat> If, if you just want a pet dog, well, first, there's no shame in just, just wanting a pet dog. Like, you want a pet dog. Okay, so do you want a border collie that's going to drive you crazy because you're super lazy? Or do you want a Bichon who's just going to lay on your lap all day whenever you're a super active person? Right? So breeding come, comes in with it. Uh, just like people, Jennifer says here, just like people think you can breed out prey drive. Right? Train out prey drive. Yeah, that's that's one of the hard ones, uh, that prey drive. So you need to understand that getting into it. Uh, we had a call yesterday. I don't know. I think we want to get a dog, but I don't know what breed or where to go for help. So luckily, they called us. It was a family member. Um, you know, so we were talking to them about first, you need to look at what do you want as a family? Okay, so I figured that'd be a good thing to talk about today for you guys. Um, what do you guys want as a family? Uh, service dogs, puppies, and choosing. Writing down, we need to come up with a topic. So if I put this up on, on the podcast, it's easier for me. Uh, what do you guys want? Do you want an active family dog? Do you want a couch potato dog? Do you want a big dog? Do you want a small dog? Do you want to worry about grooming or do you want to brush your dog? you know, or do you want to have to take them to a groomer? Do you need to go and get that hair clipped? So those are the first things that we ask. Big, small, shedding or not shedding. How active are you? Okay. If they want a big dog and they don't care about the, the grooming, they'd rather just have a dog whose hair falls out naturally. Okay. That's fine. We can, we can look at that. Do you want a big dog who is energetic? Do you want a big dog who's a lazy slug? You know, so look at those. Do you want a small dog? You know, like there's no shame in wanting a small dog. There's no shame in wanting a big dog <clears throat> at all. 
But if, if you're a first time dog owner, I'm not going to recommend that you get a big power breed. I'm going to recommend that you get a dog who you can handle, who can fit into the household nicely. Uh, you know, and you have to understand things like if you don't want shedding in the house and you get a dog that's a poodle or any of the dogs that are grooming ones like Bichon's or there's another white one with the long straight hair and I'm not remembering the name of the breed. Maltese, you know, Maltese or something like that then you have to take that dog to the groomer. There will be ear hair that needs plucked out. And while they tell you can go four to six weeks between grooms, you really want to just schedule a monthly groom and have at it because the dog starts getting a little bit fuzzy wuzzy looking, you know? Um, so you have that. You, you have to, to take that into consideration and understand that first. Um, you know, you could say, I want a dog that doesn't shed because I don't want fur all over my house. Well, then it'll be you know, minimum of $100 a month usually uh, in taking them to the groomer. So that's an additional, say, $1,200 for the year is at an expense that you want to pay for. And if you do, great. Or if you want to do it yourself, great. Then you still have to block off a chunk of time in order to groom that dog yourself. Um, my Doberman's the easiest one. Arrow was the easiest. Jenga's pretty easy. Gypsy isn't bad. Zoe, I just shave her down every few months. Um, Rue, I make Rich and Luke do it. Uh, so, you know, like each of the dogs, you want to have an understanding of, of what it is going into it grooming wise. If you're going with a doodle or a mixed breed, you have to understand that you're not just going to get the best traits of both. Okay. You're going to also get the worst traits of worse of both. In any sort of doodle, you have to groom just like you would a poodle. Doodles, a lot of them shed. So if you seriously have a need a hypoallergenic type of dog, right? where less dander, you know, they don't shed, you don't want that in your house, go with a poodle, don't try a doodle, you know? And it might be that he's like 80% poodle and, you know, 20% lab and, and that works for you, but do you want to take that risk? Just go with the poodle, leave him fluffy if you want it fluffy. <coughs> Excuse me, oh, I want to show you, huh? My box of Kleenex, it looks like Epcot. I miss Disney so much. So it's like the Epcot ball I have right over here. Um, so you need to understand that. Second, what size dog? Do you want a little dog like a cat? Smaller than a cat? Bigger than a cat? Bigger than a bread box? Do you want 20 to 30 pounds? Do you want 60 pounds? Uh, you know, golden retrievers, people think that they're really big. My girls are about 60 pounds, which is nice. That's what they're supposed to be. They're not supposed to be over 100 pounds for these goldens. The boys are bigger. So if you want a bigger dog for say mobility or just because you like big dogs, then get a boy. You want a smaller dog, then get a girl. I'm not saying all girls are smaller and all bigs are bigs are boyer. Boys are bigger, but play the odds, guys. You know, don't get a I've had so many people lately contacting me for service dogs and they want a husky as their service dog. Stop it. You are not Sansa Stark. This is not Game of Thrones. And you a husky is a not good choice as a service dog. Saying this, having had a husky as my first service dog. It's the dog that got me into dog training. Her name was Boo. But their first love is to run as far and as fast as they can. Your, their first love is not to help you. Okay? Uh, because you have properly bred goldens, right, Jennifer? I do. Um, they're gorgeous. I love them. Um, but you have that, right? So that's something that you need to think of. You know, Dalmatians are stylish dogs with spots and you would get one and name him Pongo or name her Perdita because that's what you would do. Yeah, they're not great. They have urinary issues, you know. Um, there's a reason you don't see a whole bunch of them. You know, they had, gosh, what was it? The 80s or 90s where they were like lots of bites on kids. You know, they're not a breed. I would trust they're not a breed. I'm gonna say, you want a service dog, you should totally get a Dalmatian. And whenever you're picking out a dog to train up as your service dog or to have as a good pet dog, how much of a possibility do you want of having to wash out that dog? You know, play the odds. Don't buy a dog that's totally not set up for you and then wonder why you had to fail out after putting all this blood, sweat, tears, and time and hope and dreams into it. Because guess what's going to happen? You're doable now to train up your own service dog. Are you going to be okay in six months? Are you going to be okay in a year? Are you going to be okay in a year and a half? Are you going to be okay in two years to continue training up that service dog? And what happens if you're not? What happens if now you're not able to train up that service dog 
and you have to wash them out because you got a dog that was not equipped for what you needed. And now when you really need it, you don't have that service dog because you had to get the stylish dog with spots mixed with a poodle, a Dalma doodle. <laughs> okay. So you have to think about that. If you're like, but I've always wanted a Husky. That would be like the best dog ever. And that's my heart dog. And I really want it. Well, okay. Is that worth more than you having a service dog who can help you? Because get the service dog who can help you and the service dog's a few years old, get a husky as a pet dog if you want one, if you still want one then, you know, do something like that. Don't make that dog into something it doesn't want to be and it can't be. And I've seen so many dogs who are meh, okay as service dogs, but they're not amazing as service dogs because they don't want that job. And that's sad. I don't want that to happen. Need before breed, Jennifer said. Most definitely. You Do you need it, right? Then you get what you need. And when I had the husky, I had found her. Sorry about that, guys. Um, I had found her and, and brought her home and, you know, trained her up through books and VHS tapes. I had no clue she was going to, uh, you know, be able to be used as a service dog. Whenever Rich had uh, Arrow, our first Malinois, it wasn't until we had him for a year that I was like, you know what? He has a lot of training in. Like, he'd probably be a good service dog for me. And he was. So I stole my husband's dog to make him into my service dog. And you have that. You know, there's a, you if you want to have, I've talked to people who they get one dog and it's like Pringles. They can't just have one. So they get two dogs, three dogs, four dogs, five dogs. And yes, I have multiple dogs. I'm also a professional. So is my husband and we're on five acres. So we're kind of set up for it. Here's Django. He says he wants to be, come up. Come up and say hi to people. Come on. Here's Django. He says he wants to be only puppy because he can get all the yab and all the attentions. Right? What you do? No, don't eat the Kleenex. No, you can't have it. Go find a toy. Go find a toy, buddy. Uh, you know, do I sometimes feel a little bad that, you know, I have the three of them and I rotate between Django and Candy and Gypsy? Not really, because they need that. They need to be able to, to bounce off. I know whenever I do travel, because they are working with me 24-7 and they don't have the other two to help relieve the burden, it is difficult for them. They can get a little cranky. You know, it's a lot now. That's one of the reasons why I have a Malinois, too. Uh, even though he's he's now 14 months old, we've had him for a full year already, it's still, you know, it's it's still a lot for him, you know, because he's still a baby. Uh, you know, it's a lot. Thank you. Just brought me my glasses. This is getting to be <laughs> what he does at night too. He'll get Rich's glasses. So these are just readers, right? But he'll he'll get Rich's glasses and carry them around. And then we'll find them. And Rich is getting annoyed. Stop taking glasses. Go get a toy. This No, off. This is not a toy. Go find a toy. No. That's a toy. Thank you. See, he brought me his Kong Wabas. Malinois. Don't know why everyone doesn't have five. Okay, so here Nicole says Doc is all heart service dog. Rio is good and can do the job, but I think he'd also like therapy work or facility dog work. Gypsy would love that. Gypsy would, uh, Zoe even more so than Gypsy would love to be like get pets from everybody all the time. Yeah. Jennifer says, I grew up with Huskies. It's a great breed, trained in rehab many. And guess what my service dog is? Not a Husky, right? Melissa says, I never thought I'd own a lab. What did I get when I realized I needed a service dog, even though we have Doberman's kitties and I wanted a Rottweiler? Rottweiler is on the back burner and I got a lab for my service dog. And you know what? You guys are also smart and that's why you're listening and you're tuned in, right? Um, because every dog is different. So one of the things, getting a puppy, right? I highly recommend getting a puppy at eight weeks old is much easier than getting an adult dog. So we got, we found Zoe. She was, we had no idea how old because she was a rescue dog. She's probably 14 or 15 now, but we didn't know about her back history. You know, her, her back, like not her front, her back, not her back history as in what happened before. So she got all the training in and her back went out. Well, apparently it's something that happens all the time. So she couldn't work as a service dog because of that. Um, Gypsy, a little shorter than what I would have gone with, but again, she's a girl. Why did I get a girl then for breeding? You know, um, 
Candy, we we brought over. She was two and a half years old, and she's great, but she needed the training. They had no training. You know, a lot of times the kennel dogs, the washouts from breeding programs or whatever, or didn't make it as a show dog, they have no manners. They have no house manners. They're not potty trained. You know, they'll pee wherever they want to. They know nothing. They don't know their name. And part of me, when we got candy, the idea was, you know, and it still is, you know, we'll finish her health testing and we'll breed her because about half of her health testing is done now. But the problem was um, with that, it's, um, you know, she didn't know anything. So she came in at two and a half. I could get her started on mobility immediately. Well, first she needed training and not just, you know, normal boot camp training. She needed an intensive training because she hadn't even been in households with people. She had been a kennel dog. So she needed even more training. And as she got that in and she got the service dog working, you know, luckily for her so far, it was just the mobility aspect of it, which is, isn't that hard to teach. Um, but, you know, getting Django, getting Gypsy as puppies, getting Roma as a puppy is a lot higher chance of success. You know, Candy is a success, but for normal people, I think some of them would have been, oh, you know, that's just too much to deal with. Uh, you know, she didn't know her name. Like dogs know their name. They know set. No, she didn't know her name. She didn't know set. Oh my God, he's he's standing. His head's up on the desk across from me. He's so cute. And then when Django, you know, how did I know that he was going to be able to be a service dog when he was eight weeks old? I didn't. Was I even sure? I wasn't sure. Uh, you know, part of it's the hope <laughs> that it's going to work out. And if it didn't work out with him, I still needed a Malinois. I missed having Arrow too much. So if he wouldn't work out for a Malinois, I would have done something else with him or as a service dog. If he didn't work out as a Malinois, I'd turn him into a Husky. No. If he didn't work out as a, as a service dog, I'd turn him into something else. You know, we'd do sport work or protection stuff. You know, we'd give him something fun to do. Right, buddy? Right, buddy? Right, buddy? But one of the things Bart said whenever I had him at gold school when he was three months old, uh, the dog was three months old, Django, he said, the dog can do whatever Vicky wants the dog to do because he's a good dog and she's a good trainer, which is great. So if I wanted to be a service dog, like he will be a service dog. But if he didn't like it, it'd be a different story. You know, like I want the dogs to like it. And he's a great dog, you know, and, and he's, he's doing well service dog wise, you know, he's still a goober puppy, but he's, he's getting it. And if he decides he, or we decide he, he's not good for it or whatever else, we can cross that bridge whenever we come to it. So not every dog who starts ends. Some people just and fizzle out. Some dogs just and fizzle out. So when do you get them started? I like to start them as soon as possible. Now with this litter that we have coming, hopefully this week, uh, with the litter that we have coming, we are going to start them off immediately. They're going to get early neurological stimulation, which I believe happens on day two or three until they're 14 days old. Okay. So Karen and Barry are going to do that. We're going to do it with all the puppies. Does it help? No, we're going to do it anyway. It's not going to hurt. You know, that's for sure. And we're going to, we're doing puppy culture. Okay. So we have the puppy culture. We have early neurological stim. And then whenever they start eating solid foods, not from mama, even while they're eating from mama, actually, we're going to do some stuff. We're going to add scent in so they can get the scent. When they start moving around, we're going to put different textures in for them to walk on, different experiences for them to do. We're going to do, uh, we're going to start clicker training them. We can even do that while they're nursing on mama. Uh, is click right before they latch on. And that click means something once their ears are open, right? So we're going to do that and we're going to get them started with Nipopo so they know that clicker means something. Maybe get them started in some shaping games, which should be fun. Teach them how to learn what to do. Uh, my brother did that in puppy culture and I noticed a huge difference, right? Um, Me Melissa, the breeder that we got the Goldens from, she, she uses puppy culture. She likes it. I know there's the other one too, Add the Dog, um, but I wanted to start with puppy culture. I love... Puppy culture makes a huge difference. Good, good. Yeah, that's, yeah, we're super excited to do it all. Um, and then, what you doing, buddy? And so we'll have them, we'll do videos, we'll do pictures. I want to get some live streaming. ENS, okay. Uh, ENS and puppy culture makes a huge difference. Perfect. 
Uh, but we're going to do some videos, some live streaming. Uh, since the puppies will be at Karen's house, she has a bedroom that's the whelping room. So we could put it up and they don't have to worry about, you know, walking around in their PJs. Because um, that's what would happen here. You know, we'd have to have the sound off too. Because I can get a little bit loud. We can all get a little bit loud. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to do that. We're going to share with you guys as much as we can. Uh, we're going to see if we can embed the live stream on the hopeservicedogs.org page. Uh, now we're also going to have puppies and it looks like a lot of puppies. So fingers crossed for a nice litter size, um, but we're going to have puppies. So if you guys are interested in puppies or if you have clients who are interested in, in golden retriever puppies, either as a pet, a therapy dog or a service dog, let us know because we will have puppies available. And they're health tested puppies. We're going to temperament test them at seven weeks old. Uh, we're, it's going to be fantastic, uh, but we need to, you know, we need to make sure that we get them paired up right to the right owners. Um, Melissa gets one of the puppies back. She gets a female. We get a female for continued breeding in two years, whenever she's of age. So, you know, we're 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 super excited. Yeah, and Jeanette just said she's excited. I'm excited. I've, I've bred, never bred dogs. I bred, you know, we have the goats. We've had the cows have babies here. The chickens have babies every day. Well, they lay eggs every day, but we eat them. We don't incubate them. I hope you share your ENS and puppy culture videos. I want to share a lot of stuff. Um, that's kind of, you know, I want to show you guys what all goes into breeding. Um, and while I learn about what goes into breeding, uh, YouTube, uh, we have our own YouTube. So Hope Service Dogs YouTube channel. We have uh, Instagram and we have Facebook for Hope. So it'll all be on under that. So excited. I love puppies. Mufasa is practicing his calmness while I watch this live and doing assignments. I would love to help you. Perfect. Portia, that'd be, that'd be super. Let me know. Now, this is one of the things that we could use for hope. Um, depending uh, if we want to do like scripted videos, because I'd like to focus hope right now on the puppy aspect of it. And then dream dogs on the training aspect of it. And then as the economy bounces back and is more back to normal, focus more on the training for service dog aspect of hope. Um, but yeah, so I'd like someone to edit, um, maybe create stuff that we can share for Instagram, Canva, and we have a, a professional account, a professional nonprofit account with Canva too. So, you know, I'd like that. So if anybody's interested in helping out with that, that would be much appreciated because part of Hope's mission is to share information on what a service dog can and can't do and be for businesses and for people, which is super. That's his face. He's a big boy. And I hope your screen isn't flickering. My screen keeps on flickering and it's driving me crazy. But uh, where's your toy? Thank you, buddy. Is this your toy? Down? Uh-uh. Down the hallway. Hey. So yeah, we've we had puppies once. Sorry. Gotta play with my dog occasionally, guys. Um, try not to get too distracted. So you do need that. You want to have it now sometimes. Oh, and this happens all the time, all the time, guys. We will get the, I have a puppy. He's six weeks old. I have a puppy who's seven weeks old. I have a puppy who's five weeks old and they're already in the homes. No, puppies should not be leaving breeder homes until they're eight weeks old. And then there's different philosophies on that that eight weeks old is, is in a fear period. And so taking him home at seven weeks old is better. Legally in Florida, you can't send them home until they're eight weeks old. Now, if you're a dog professional who knows what they're doing, maybe has other dogs at home, you know, sometimes people, you know, you could maybe do a little earlier, but again, in the state of Florida, it's illegal to do that. And so we do, um, you know, eight weeks old, or you can stay longer and pay more for training. You know, that's always a possibility as well. My poodle I received recently came close to really came close to your area. Oh, that's cool. And Jeanette says she scheduled Moose's OFA hips and elbows on May 11th. His birthday's the 9th, so I'm super excited and hopeful of good results. Great results. That's super, and Jeanette. I'm excited for you. Um, yeah, we still have to do Candy's eyes and her, uh, her echo. Well, she had the echo, but we need to redo it and do her halter monitor. That's what it is. Picked up my poodle at 10 weeks. Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing wrong. I have sometimes clients will do that 10 weeks old or 12 weeks old, especially depending on how it's going. Uh, you know, we'll take puppies in at that age too, 
But people just have to understand that they're not getting back a two-year-old dog. They're getting back a six-week-old or not six-week, eight-week-old puppy with like three weeks of boot camp in them. So like we can get him, set him up for a lifetime of learning. We can work on potty training, but there's no guarantees on potty training, especially at that age. My breeder kept my girl until four months to continue training and make sure she was the right match for my needs. Jennifer, that's awesome. Yeah, especially if they continue training. I Again, I talk to a lot of people. And so many with well, the breeder held the dog back for whatever reason, but the dog was never off the property that, you know, he was in, out in the kennel and they did nothing. There's actually, I was just telling Karen, there's a woman um, who bred Labradors uh, by where we used to live in Gainesville. And she had, it was the funniest, cutest name. Um, but, but she had all these dogs who were adult dogs. And we went out there to look at them thinking like, they're labs, you know, like if they've at least been inside dogs and halfway decent, you know, you can do a lot of training with a the lab. They're smart. No, they're outside dogs. They don't know how to hold their bladders. And now, and so we had, you know, as we were talking to her about what we were thinking of doing, and again, this was gosh, six or seven years ago. Uh, I just pulled up her website a couple weeks ago and she's now selling trained dogs for like $6,000. And I'm thinking, honey, your dogs aren't trained. They weren't trained then. They're not trained now. You know, but she was like, well, what, I can charge more for them and get rid of them and say that they're trained and people will buy them. And it's like, no, honey, that's not what it's going to happen. People are weird. Um, but a lot of people get try to get on the service dog bandwagon because there's another one up in that area who I trained service dogs and, and they had actually posted. I took a peanut and I trained my dog one night to alert to a peanut. And now I have a peanut detection dog. Like, that's not how that works at all. You know, with peanut allergies, we were talking about this. You have, say I just eat a peanut butter sandwich and I end up with peanut butter on my hands, which doesn't affect me. And I go and I exit a door, I push elevator buttons, right? And you come in and you have a really severe peanut allergy and you go to touch that. Your dog needs to alert that there was, you know, there's peanut residue on there and where it is, right? Uh, playground equipment and kids. Yeah, yeah think, things you got to think about. So even if you say at the school grounds, no, no peanut, don't send peanut butter sandwiches in. What if the kid had peanut butter at home? What if the kid had a peanut butter cookie? What if people just don't realize that some things have peanuts in them? Uh, Jennifer says, my girl got taken to dog shifts for desensitization. And I flew her back from Florida to Arizona as a pet. The whole airport process barely faced her no potty accidents. That's perfect, Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, there are some great breeders. I'm not going to be the only one. Uh, there are some great breeders out there, but there's also some some really shady ones that you do have to watch for. And it kills me that that's the case, that some people are just so clueless on it, you know, and, and they'll deceive so badly. Uh, I see it with trainers. I see it with breeders. I see it with the service dog stuff. I see it with the pet dog stuff. I see it with the aggression stuff. Uh, there was one trainer who was saying she could, well, they could cure anything in an hour, anything. The most severe dog aggression could be cured, cured in an hour. And I'm like, mm, it doesn't work that way either. He just bolted. Did you just bolt, buddy? No, go get a toy. There's a, that's a toy right in front of you. You can get me that toy. He's so smart. Few and far between. They are few and far between. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons, too, why we want to share everything through what we're doing with the Golden Puppies. Now, yeah, they're not going to be cheap. You know, Hope's a nonprofit, but it's not a no-profit. And we we have expenses that <laughs> have been stockpiling. What you got? What you got, buddy? Oh, I love you. There you go. Um, you know, for them, and then what the health testing we're going to have to do for the females, you know, for breeding in the future. So there's there's a lot going but it'll be good. It'll be fun. It'll be an adventure. So yeah, so we're, we need possibly puppy raisers in the area. If you're not in the area, as long as you've taken my Nipopo school or your Nipopo certified through Bart and Michael, uh, you are good. Uh, you know, and you can do that. You just have to tell me. Uh, but we want to, we want to do good. We want to do good for these dogs. We want to do good for the people who, um, you know, who, who need these dogs, who will need these dogs. And for the people who just want a good pet dog, because not every dog's going to be service doggable. Some of them are going to do better as therapy dogs. Some of them are going to do better as pet dogs. You know, it's going to happen. You're going to get a whole range in the litter. 
and we're going to have this litter and then afterwards the ginger is going to have her litter and then lucy again and then ginger again so we're looking at two litters this year if we do candy this year too so yeah you start pimping out my dogs quality costs it does yeah and that's one thing jennifer that not everybody understands is that quality does cost so worth it to have the extensive health testing the ens the puppy culture yeah yeah john exactly and then too with the Nipopo stuff on top of it you do that you do it well those pups are ready for a lifetime of learning anything you want to toss at them they'll understand how the game works you know and instead of getting these dogs who are still having house accidents whenever they're two years old three years old and so you're going to get a dog who understands that who if you want to do agility with them they're ready for it if you want to do dock diving they're ready for it so we're super excited about it and our dogs aren't going to be you know common dogs they're they're awesome they're called what is it the english creams they're they're all i, I believe they're all were born over in uh europe I actually have to talk to the breeder about getting her registration changed to akc because she has not akc i'm gonna have to look at her binder and see um we've been trying to get some of this stuff done rich got a new saw a miter saw so he can make new stuff so he's been super stoked and you've started training yeah yeah and then like i said we need to keep one so my parents i think want the one that we're going to keep you know for breeding for hope in the future my dad's on the board so that would work out well uh, i don't know if we'll end up keeping two this is where two i haven't really pimped out the dogs too much because i don't know how many males and females they're going to be so melissa gets a female we get a female for breeding in the future and if we only have two dogs it's going to be different and if they're both boys you know and even though all the testing isn't the be all and end all your chances are farther away of any issues yeah well you know one of the dogs that we had in um not one of my personal dogs but a dog we really liked um he just turned to a month or so ago but he had he was diagnosed with dysplasia and he wasn't training to be a mobility dog so that's scary and he came from one of these service dog organizations no off you're not getting that it's not yours you can get your toy no where's your toy that's your toy bring me your toy thank you god he's a smart dog i love having a malinois drive me crazy at times but i love them there you go so notice what i'm not doing while we're doing this here is i'm not whipping the toy away to try to build his drive to go get the prey more and more i'm not doing that get it gyps here i'll give it to him and gypsy and they can play tug uh you're doing all you can to stack the deck in your favor yeah yeah that's what we need to do and that's what my clients need and it's not doing it that way you're you're not doing it well you know that's the only way you can do it is to stack the decks in as much favor as you can right so okay so i didn't whip the toy away i don't want the problem with playing tug with some of these dogs especially some of the more psycho dogs like malin was is you whip it away and they're going to aim for where the toy was which is now where my hand is where my wrist is right hey where's your toy at get your toy and play with each other so you you don't want to do that if you want the drive you want the speed you leave the toy where it is you want them to slow down move it at the last minute don't do that thank you really thank you get it chips so there i'll give the tails to gypsy <laughs> then they can play and zoe's in here too and then he gets distracted with something else he's been a little lazy today and then i trained them oh i think it was around two o'clock i got everybody out and we did some training with them uh because that's how we roll but yeah we want to stack them so they're successful i don't want to have a litter of you know basement dogs who never see the light of day and don't understand who people are and don't understand what the world is all about a lot of service dog organizations have stopped doing all the right things registration genetics etc i'm very proud of you for standing by the importance of testing and jeanette i had no idea so thank you i appreciate that so no but you need to you need to focus eyes on the prize and i see it okay so here i'm going to tell you a story gypsy we got um she was show quality so we were supposed to show her i didn't show her because i i I needed her for the service stuff, right? Stop. So we, uh, what did we do? 
is I talked to people about showing her, found out it was going to be, oh my God, it'd be so bad. Give me my cord. It was going to be about $15,000. Plus Gypsy was um, 3000 Plus the flight up there to get her and back. Buddy, can I have? Um, it was going to be $15,000 more. Thank you. Let me see what, no. Let me see what's in here. I mean, it was going to be $15,000 to... Uh, to show her, that's about what it, it ends up being. $15,000 to show the dog. Well, I didn't want to pay $15,000. Like she has more than that in, in training in her. But what if I would have? And then the vet told me she was good and I could breed her because the vet told me that when she was 22 months old. The vet told me that. Would I have got the final clearance? I don't know. If I would have got the final clearance, would I have marked? Yeah, you can share the records if they're not good. Or would I just said like, whoops, prelims. You know, I like to think that I'm an ethical person and I would have done the right thing regardless. But if you have the dogs, and I've already put, say, $20,000 into her, okay? And then I'm going to sell, and she has, say, eight puppies at $3,000 a puppy is $24,000. And we do four litters before I spay her. So that's almost $100,000. Would I have said no for $100,000? Oh, it starts to get trickier, doesn't it? You know, so think if this is the dog that you wanted to be a service dog. And that's one of the reasons I think why some of these service dogs are turning out poor quality. And if Anjanette's saying, you know, what Anjanette's saying here, which is they're not doing the registration, they're not doing the genetics, et cetera. So I know some of them are, are crossing um, Lab Goldens and the Doodles, and they're doing those. Is that the right thing? If they're doing it right and they can prove that it's for the betterment of the dogs and for the betterment of the people, is that the case? I don't know. I have no idea. And Janet says, I love showing Moose. Your story of OFA makes me worry, and Moose is a big boy. Hope it works out to breed together. That'd be awesome. Yeah, because we, um, we're talking about breeding with Gyps with him and it didn't work out because she got her spay and now i'm going to get spayed too because remember a year and a half ago whenever i had the pre-cancer stuff going yeah guess what's back i see the doctor cancer guy now i see next wednesday so probably have to get spayed myself um i was retested and yeah the hyperplasia and whatever da, 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 four words it's back so I've been a little bit bummed about that. Rio's breeder said the same thing, no guarantees on hips and elbows, but I was stacking the odds in my favor by getting a dog from health-tested parents. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, there are no guarantees with it. You know, like the litter can come out and have all hip dysplasia with heart issues, even though both parents are cleared and, and we got the okay from the vet to do the, the breedings. But hopefully that won't happen. Uh, hopefully they'll all be good and... Uh, and we can have good puppies, and Gypsy gets to be an aunt now instead of a mama, and Budgie gets to be an uncle until he has puppies of his own. Um, we're actually, we were going to neuter him uh, in March or April. We are not going to neuter him. We just buckled down on training and came up with a training plan for him instead of letting him skate by. So he's been, I think this is week four of his training. And he's been doing amazing with it. And so because of that, we actually have a little list started up for um, for baby mamas, for Django. And then, of course, Candy, I'm still looking at, at baby daddies. But, uh, but, yeah, we'll be busy. They're getting treats. We got these duck recipe with carrots from BarkBox. They're duck ones. And they're super... Uh, but yeah, so Grace was spayed. Yeah, Gypsy got spayed before Rich went to Silver in March. Um, so she was she was ready for, uh, you know, ready for it, and then she could recoup enough to to come and hang out underneath the um, the desk with me. So that worked out well. Hi, and then Nipopo um, Bart and Michael released their gold in July. So Rich and Karen are going the first week. I'm going the second week, right? Uh, and then they have their next silver is the end of August. It starts the day after my birthday. 
So Karen and I are going to drive out, I think, and we're going to do that. And then their next October it, or their next gold is in October. So then that should be it for the year. Might end up being multiple Octobers. If it's another two weeker, that'd be kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so that'll be, that's, that's on my schedule. We have our service dog school planned for November. And then our advanced school is in January and our scent school is in March. Uh, so we have those, we have plenty of time to sign up because nobody knows what's going on with COVID right now. I know a lot of people are canceling workshops and events. Uh, we have our IACP conference scheduled tentatively for, um, September and very end of September. So I don't know if that's going to be canceled or not. It's a shame because it's close and it's within driving distance, but we'll see what happens with it, uh, with IACP. So um, one thing that since we are going to gold school in July and we're going to silver school in August is I have to practice my, um, my NEPOPO framework. So I'm going to practice it with you guys while we are sitting here. Uh, and first I'm going to write out my framework because that helps me to remember where I am and I'm a little bit distracted today. So that works. Um, but this won't take me long at all. Ask why and how. One, two, three, four. And then upper and conditioning to classical conditioning. Okay, so you guys ready? Bear with me here. Okay. Here's my framework. Okay. That'll help me along. But it's just basically scribbles. Yeah, it is. It's okay. Nipopo, def, one, two, ask why, how, four. And then OC to CC. That's my cheat sheet notes. Okay, what is Nipopo? Nipopo is a negative, positive, positive dog training system where the dog learns to do on cue with heart and soul. Not only does the dog come back better than ever when the dog does get a correction, but we utilize positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, along with operant conditioning and classical conditioning to get that end result. I'm going to tell you two stories. First story is, I actually got a picture of it today. It was Jago bringing me his food bowl. Why is it whenever he is hungry and he brings me his food bowl and he slams it at me and his ears are up and his tail is wagging, his eyes are burning like cigarettes. Like he is so on it and he loves it. But when I make him pick up something and bring it to me, he looks like I just beat him with a dead fish. You know, it's the least favorite thing to do. He's mopey, he's sloppy. He doesn't even want to put it in his mouth. Things don't go in there except for food, you know. Or, second story, he's out walking with me and he is sniffing all over the ground. He is sniffing every smell that ever smelled on the walk. But whenever I go to do scent stuff with him, no, he doesn't use his nose for that. He's not going to sniff that. Thank you very much. Why is it whenever it's something he wants to do, when he wants to eat and he brings me the food bowl, when he wants to smell the smells outside, it is the best thing in the world. But when I want him to do it and I try to get him to do it through training, he's acting like a limp fish. It's not fun. So you have to ask yourself, why is it that whenever it's his idea, it's great and awesome and he loves it, flashy, heart and soul, whenever I want him to do it, he hates doing it. Okay. For that, we have to say why. Why does a dog do? Okay. In the first place, why does, why does he want to do it? Why does a dog do? A dog does to better his own situation. Makes sense. He brings me the, the food bowl because he wants to eat and better his situation. He smells because he likes it. It betters his situation. And a lot of people will tell you that a dog will do it because I'm the alpha or the dog will do it because he loves me so much. No, the dog will do it because it betters his own situation. So then you have to ask yourself, how does the dog better his own situation? right? That's the million dollar question right there. How does a dog better his own situation? He betters it through positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, the knee po po, negative, positive, positive reinforcement, and by aversives, you know, got to add that in there. How does that all work? How does that tie into operant and classical conditioning? Operant conditioning, what we do is we set up the aquarium for them. And if you've been watching, we put up the uh, the flex pole. You know, that's our aquarium form. So we put up an aquarium form and we we wait them out, right? And we can do positive reinforcement. We can do negative reinforcement. We can do the negative, positive, positive reinforcement that is 
you know, special to Nipopo. We can do all of that. And if it's something that we don't like, if we like it, we reinforce it, negative or positive. If we don't like it, we can aversive, um, stim it away. We can um, correct it depending, right? So if it's something we like, we reinforce it. If we don't like it, we correct or aversive stim it. As things are corrected or reinforced, as things are reinforced more and more and more, as they're reinforced more and more and more, we name it then it become or it becomes more likely right and then we name it and then it can become classically conditioned and that's how we name it before the signal if you've seen the video that i put up today with django where i say bag can i have so can i have is if he has something and i want it i ask him can i have and he brings it to me and he hands it to me that's kind of long and i don't want to have to ask that for everything so what we're working on is one of my i love these type of bags you know, just a small bag and so does he, as you can see. So what I'm asking is bag, can I have? And that's actually classically conditioning to pair up bag to mean the same thing as can I have. And whenever bag means the same thing as can I have, then we're gold, right? And that's how we train everything. We wanna reinforce what we like. So it happens more and more and more. And as it does, we give it a name and then it becomes classically conditioned. And then we take it, we add in some conflict management. So he loves to do it no matter what. And that is how Nipopo framework goes. And I appreciate you guys hanging in there because I need to practice. I always need to practice, but I need to practice that. Okay. I'm not feeling the greatest. I'm kind of done right now. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut off. I'm gonna tune out. So I'm gonna say goodbye to y'all. Uh, I have to work a little bit on the website. I don't know if that's going to happen tonight or tomorrow. Waiting to hear from Karen to see what's going on with the puppies today. I assume, did you see the picture I put up one? If you haven't yet, go to uh, Hope Service Dogs Facebook and you can see it's Lucy lying on the ground with her big old belly. It's the only time you can ever tell a woman she has a big old belly is whenever she's a golden retriever and she's lying down and her belly is so huge. She's gained almost 20 pounds uh, for this pregnancy, uh, which is fantastic. And she's eating very small meals because she can't fit it all in <laughs> so she can't eat a lot so she's hungry so she's just doing small meals which is nice uh but yeah she's in good hands with karen karen's birthed some babies before puppy wise i've just done goats and cows but um but yeah and then she's close to uf if something happens they have the, the vet school the emergency um vet clinic right there and then there's like 20 vets in gainesville so <laughs> it'll all be good have a great evening. I'm so excited for you and so wish I was there to help, right? Ah, you'll be down eventually, Antoinette. Uh, so I will I will catch up with you guys next week. Don't forget, Saturday is our uh, virtual class. I do have a microphone coming. I do not know if it will be here in time for, for Saturday's class or not, but it'll be Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then we'll be back here <coughs> next week for our podcast. And hopefully we'll have puppies on the ground to share with you guys, okay? Get down. He's so bad. So good night, good evening. Like, share, share subscribe. Um, send it to your friends and check out our pups. Bye bye.